The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my right is Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. (laughs) Cherry ball. (laughs) Sorry, guys. To my left is Billy Eye Candy Kimsey. Feel the sensation. (laughs) (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Don't look at me when you say that, big boy. Was that York Peppermint Patty? Yeah, that's that's Peppermint Patty. Well, yeah. Do you always remember? So jealous. Billy kills it every time. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like the uh, what's his name, Uh, Eddie Murphy, when he talks about the York Peppermint Patty. And he said, Larry Holmes did a York Peppermint Patty commercial. Have you heard that one? No, I haven't heard that one. (laughs) He said, what I like about the York peppermint patty candies <laughs> is I feel like I'm running through the woods, butt naked, and little children are sprinkling cool water on my butt. <laughs> wow. Yeah, did you hear that sound? That was Ralph Hicks straight out of Compton. Yeah, represent. Behind the glass is Rocket Man Andy Bishop. Hello. And Sarita. Hola. Sarita Edgerton is here. Guys, Sarita Edgerton is a full-time cast member of the Burroughs of Berea. Now, you've heard her at the top. We failed to mention that in the last episode. I failed to mention a lot of things in the last episode because my good pal Zach was here. So it's good to hear. And uh, we talked about his beautiful baby and all those other ugly babies. (laughs) (laughs) Had a lot of fun. Anyway, so we are finally getting back to the the study of Esther. We are just now on the fourth chapter of Esther. When we say we're going to do a series, I said we were going to do this starting in January. We are in the month of June, and we're just now to chapter four of Esther. So yeah, I jump around a lot. I can't help it. But uh, Ralph, I'm going to have both you and Sarita read today. Okay. Together? And, like, at, at the same yeah. time. Oh, at the same time. Okay. Boom. Yeah. I'll go high, you go low. Okay. <laughs> When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. And he went to the entrance of the king's gate. I like that. Ralph sounded like Pinocchio. I love it. Yeah, I'm so he does. happy about I'm this. a real boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a real boy. I can prove it. <laughs> what? Did you say I can prove it? Oh, my gosh. Well, I can walk on my own. Okay. Uh, Ralph, do you mind reading the first... Uh, three verses of Esther chapter four, please. Certainly. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out a loud and bitter cry. He went up the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. Thank you. Uh, can can you give us the 30-second reprise? Yeah, I was getting ready to do that. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, so I wanted to say, if you can remember... Um, sorry, I didn't mean to kick your mic there, Cherry. Yes, you did. So, 
we call him Haman. I discovered it's actually pronounced Haman, but Haman, I'm going to keep on doing it in Southern, Southern style. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. He, um, Haman was made, you know, the second in <laughs> power underneath the king of Persia. And they had uh, issued a decree that all of the people had to bow to Haman when he was going through the city. And Mordecai determined he was not going to bow. And the reason why is because Jews don't bow to anyone but Yahweh. Or Jehovah, and so that was that was the end of it. Once uh, once Mordecai had been quiet and assimilated into society, and he had told Esther, who had become queen, to to not reveal her nationality of you know or her race of being a Jew. So he had been hidden. But this was kind of like the straw that broke the donkey's back. So Haman says, "You have to bow to me." And the king says so, and Mordecai refuses. So then they go and they cast lots, remember, to determine when they could exterminate the entire race of the Jews, you know. That's a whole sentence. It, it is. And we and you remember we went back and we talked about how King Agag uh, was a descendant of Amalek and how the Amalekites had went through history uh, being at this, with this grudge match with the Jews, you know. And so um, where we are right now is that they've made this decree, he's not bowing, and now they've issued out this entire decree that they're going to exterminate the Jews on the, is it the 13th of Adar, one year from the day, you know, that this is going to happen. And so Mordecai, one of the things they do from mourning is sackcloth and ashes, right? And if anybody's familiar with the book of Job, you know, that's where that's where Job ends up, you know, whenever all of his kids are killed and everything is taken away from him. He mourns. A lot of times they would shave their head and then they would put on this burlap, like a burlap sack, and they would sit amongst the ashes and they would throw ashes in the air. And, you know, it was just, it was a sight to be seen. They were in deep mourning is what was going on. So where we are at the King's Gate now, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to wear sackcloth and ashes in the middle of the square. Like, that's not okay. And so he's making a spectacle of himself. And he's getting, he's trying to get God's attention. At least that's what I think. You know, you guys have read it. Do you think that's what he's trying to do? What, what's going on with Mordecai? I think he's repenting in front of everyone. Yeah, I think he, he set an example. I mean, he, I think he already knew he had God's attention. Because he was doing what he felt he was led to do. Well, I think he's by doing that, he's letting everybody know, hey, this was wrong, I was wrong, and this is where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He came out of the closet, if you will. Right. As a, That's as a great a way of putting Jew. it. I mean, and, and he really went the distance with it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, not just, hey, everybody, look at me, I'm a Jew. He boldly it's made his statement. Sackcloth and ashes, wailing, 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 I'm not sure distressed. how to be a secret Jew with the name Mordecai, but... <laughs> That probably wasn't his Persian they, name, just ah, like Esther was point. Hadassah. Hadassah. His, his Persian Jew, name was, was Marduka. Marduka. Yeah. Okay. Marduka. Marduka. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, so he's feeling. But Haman seemed to know he was a Jew, but he did not know Esther was, which I think is interesting. How well they kept that relationship hidden, though he kept hovering around her little area trying to find out all about her, how she was doing. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Haman never put that together that they were related and that Esther is a Jewess. Right. And because of Mordecai, but he knew about Mordecai. Mm-hmm. Even before Mordecai came out of the closet, he knew. If you've ever watched, like I keep bringing up Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones, because if you've watched the show, and I don't recommend the show. Sorry, guys, that was my phone. If I don't recommend it. You know, it, there, there's a lot of... 
language and there's nudity and there's all kinds of bad things in it. And uh, then it gets bad in the last season. Trash. Yeah, but so, but <laughs> you know, in the first in the first couple of seasons, there's a lot of like that game of Thrones where like you've got the eunuch that knows the inside, then you got the guy that's over the brothel and he has all the inside information, and you've got the kings and their history with each other and the certain ways that you have to do things. And you're right, I I hadn't really thought about it, but for the fact that the second in command that was that close to the queen and the king to not know like that little relationship that means that the eunuchs would have had to have kept it quiet so you think the eunuchs the, did just know. the relationship between well, the mordecai that, well the one that what was his Hathak. name yeah Hatak. whatever his name was he who took care of her he had to have known he has to he had to have known because he communicated back and forth between mordecai and esther right well, he, even he in the, the united states the it wasn't until john f kennedy that they started telling on the president for all the things he was doing behind the scenes yeah. Back then, yeah. they press kept their mouth shut. Oh, yeah, that's very true. And yeah. they still keep their mouth shut. I wish they'd all keep their mouth shut. <laughs> I'm with you, Ralph. Yeah. I, hey, if he How runs, about you, Billy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you like it. <laughs> well, I think that, but so there's all, If when you read the book of Esther, you don't really think of that kind of stuff, right? But when you slow down and you read verse to verse and you really think about, okay, let's put ourselves in this situation, there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes. There were people protecting people and, you know, hiding your race was a big deal. And like, but at this point now, all of a sudden here comes Mordecai doing this. Now this is going to cause a problem. This is a serious problem because that eunuch who is trying to protect this relationship between them two is getting suddenly going to be sort of exposed because now he's talking to Mordecai in the street. Then he's going into the palace and he's the one hanging out with Esther. So people have got to know, right? Sarita, read, uh, if you don't care, start with verse four, and let's go all the way down to verse, well, actually, just go all the way down to six, just finish, go down go, to 16. Go, to, go through 11. There's a break at 11. No, go all the way through. You have to hear it all. Just okay. go ahead and read it all. Okay, well, I did want to say before I move from from verse three that what he read earlier in the sackcloth and ashes and the wailing brought about a great revival among the Jews. They all came out, great mourning, oh. fasting, weeping, and lamenting, meaning they were asking God for forgiveness. They were wailing about their situation. They were fasting as they should have been doing all the previous years, but it brought about a revival. I don't, they probably don't, I don't know if they use that in the Jewish vernacular, but that's what we Baptists would call a that's revival. That's true, that's Hallelujah. a good point. No, that's a that great is, point. That's, that's very interesting, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, you gave them, I guess, the strength to, to be like, Well, they're going to die anyway, so why not just go ahead and go all out? But, but it's a good point. That's It's wrong for them to have assimilated so far in the society that whenever Cyrus had allowed them to leave the wherever they were and to go back to Israel and to rebuild that was for every Jew that was they could go if they wanted and some chose not to and a lot of them chose not to because they had actually gotten positions in society they were you know they were making a living things were going okay why do I want to leave all this and go back to my destroyed country and try and build something and so they didn't so that makes sense that now that they're exposed they're like okay well then they allude to it but they don't say it that uh, he was the only one that didn't bow. So how many Jews did bow? Mm. Yeah, and they're good still going to die. They're still going to die. Their bowing got them nothing. Right. Yeah. That's and true. But that's a heavy. That's is a that heavy a message sentence. for us Christians in America? 
How much have we assimilated into the culture oh, no, that we're not definite. stand out? Cherry no. and I were just talking about that on the way over here. Well, I must have been listening in. I don't <laughs> no, I, that's that's absolutely true. I, I think you make a great point about reading a little bit and sitting on it. I, I had a pastor once that would take forever to get through a book. Mm-hmm. And one day I asked him, he said, well, because I want you to think about this. There, there, and everything, every time I stop, Means there was something before that you missed. Yeah. Yeah. And start thinking about when I stop, what did you miss? Well, mm-hmm. I've read that verse three because I've taught Esther so many times. I've read verse three and I never really thought about they all in every province, we talked about that from Turkey to yeah. Spain or however big the, 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 the uh, Persia was, every Jew, almost every Jew, there was great mourning. Mm-hmm. There was a revival. And I missed it somehow. I missed it. I missed it because in my notes I say that you don't I didn't think that Israel knew about it, but if it's in every province and they were doing that, that means it, I don't see how that could be possible though. That in every province that they were already I mean it, the Bible says it though, right? Yeah, but yes. word gets out fast. No, it doesn't. Yeah, word think, doesn't go out it fast. Doesn't. I think That's it gets why out incredibly had, slow. The news was so distressing. It didn't matter that there wasn't the internet and a text message to yeah, say maybe everybody the king get crazy. Traps writing those didn't need to get the message through. It just went from Jew to Jew to Jew all the way across as far as it could go quickly. Word of mouth spread. I guess so. You know, it's a good point. I think it went faster than people talk about because as you look through the Bible, you'll see things that happen and you can look back to somewhere else and say, How did they find out about that? Well, there are people running back and forth from all of these towns all the time. Yeah. Messengers for the king, merchants. somebody going to get things for the absolutely merchants, oh, yeah, the merchants. people getting things true. for the king. Sure. Uh, and, they had and, to trade. Absolutely. Yeah. And right. that's where the gossip happens. Mm-hmm. Hey, sure. I just went to this town. You got to see what they're doing. Oh, From they're well Jews and well they're doing this. Well oh my gosh, well. we should be doing that here. Yeah. Why aren't we? I think it's interesting what you said about Christians, though, too, because if we're if we're in a society and we're talking about us today, like what are we going to do? Well, so so what did Mordecai do? Mordecai was wailing. He was upset, but just because he de- he was determined, okay, I'm not going to bow to this enemy of the Jew. Like, I'm not going to bow to him. And so he basically got a death sentence for his entire race because of what he did. So to look at us, like in in our world, you know, we have Christ. And so for me, it always, I feel like we're supposed to be salt and we're supposed to be light, but that also has to be mingled with love. It's not to be this hate-filled thing. We think salt, man, we got to dig in there and get in that wound. That's not really what it's about. It's about keeping the meat from rotting, you know, is that's the one side of it. And the light is exposing things, sure. But coming from it from a loving perspective, is that's one thing that I want to do. That's what I've said on this podcast over and over and over. I think the the way that the church has done it in the past has been, in some cases, you know, brutal. In most cases, and you look at the Baptists especially, mm-hmm. you know, it's hellfire and brimstone and you're going to hell and you're a sinner instead of, I mean, that's why I keep saying that's why Joel Osteen has so many followers, because he talks about the love. I don't think he's a, a very learned scholar where the Bible is concerned, but he's preaching love, not the Bible. Mm-hmm. I wish he could preach love and the Bible. I, that would be I, neat because he sure is very charismatic and he gets people interested. See, we're not teaching mercy and justice. Mm-hmm. We're not teaching forgiveness and righteousness. Right, right. Good point. And, and so we're either teaching one or the other. We're either teaching all justice, judgment, and righteousness, or we're all teaching mercy, forgiveness, and happy, joy, joy yeah. times. Yeah, it's an interesting and a, point. It's a, it's a, it needs to be a mix of both because if we believe that God is holy and righteous— and he 
is also forgiving and merciful. Mm -hmm. Thus, Jesus came into the picture. So, I mean, we have to be careful to be both. Sure. And at different to some. Jesus was loving but honest. Yes. To the Greek, I am a Greek. So, whatever message a person needs. <laughs> Do you remember to the what Jesus said that Jesus got so mad? No, oh, you said it. Oh, yeah. He got so mad, he made him cry. That he crafted. He got so mad that he crafted. <laughs> he went and took some cords and made a whip. Yeah. He, he went and made so a mad, whip. He, he was talking about, yeah, he made a whip. And I was like, Jesus got so mad that he crafted. <laughs> I'm very proud. I'm still proud of that joke. That was Thank a good you. joke. But it, it really goes along with what you just said. Like, yes, there's love and there's healing and there's all these things, but there came a time when Jesus was like, okay, enough's enough. I think it's a really interesting point that people kind of do seem to take one of those paths or the other. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think you can kind of understand how if you think about it, because I don't know, it just gets, it's so murky in the middle and people don't like murk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people don't like that. Those messages, complicated messages are not as appealing as simple messages. And I think that's where it goes. I think, I think it, gets, it gets cleaned up because the message travels better when it's less complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Sarita, do you care to read the rest of this chapter in your low voice? No, actually, just in regular. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her the queen was deeply distressed, she sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth. But he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hatak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in the front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hatak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hatak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes into the king, Inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king for these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa. And hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Yeah, I mean. One of my favorite Bible verses right there. And it's up in my house. You were not born in the, my kids always say, I think when I was born in the wrong time. Like you were not born in the wrong time. You were born as a warrior for such a time as this. Right. Uh, you know, 
Mordecai is trying, you know, he's he's getting this message to Esther, and the the dynamic of their relationship is that Mordecai's always been the commander of Esther because that's his place in their life. And Esther still has that feeling because she's like, okay, we've, you know, problem. He's out in the square. He's doing this. This is not good. Cover it up. That's she's trying to create a cover up. Let's get him covered. Let's get him out of the street. Let's let's squash this so that, you know, and I started thinking about the position that Esther was in. So she'd already been sex trafficked. And she already says in this that she hadn't been seen by the king for 30 days. So she's hanging out like in the palace, but not allowed to go to the king. But she's got a life of luxury now. That's not something that she had prior to this. Regardless of the fact that she had to sleep with the king whenever he wanted, she now has all the riches of this entire Persian kingdom. She no longer has to suffer along with everybody else. You know, think about it. She's got the way that they described that palace. You remember how beautiful the floors were and all of the adornments around, and they had so much money. They had a gold cup for every person that was different, you know, like handmade golden cup. So she was in this living in the lap of luxury, and this was a good thing. But Mordecai had came out, but she hadn't yet. And that's a big deal because now she's having to make a decision. So she goes, she sends her closest eunuch to go see Mordecai. It actually said, well, the king's eunuchs. Does it? Yeah. Why, 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 why'd I, she pick his? Good. I think they're all the king's eunuchs, aren't they? Well, I thought she was assigned one, right? She had one at the beginning that Hegei. Yeah. And I don't know what happened to him, but he's well, why, not. Why'd she pick one of the kings? One May- of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her. So he was a eunuch of the king, but his his job was to take oh, care okay. of her. I think okay. Again, okay. I think they're just all the king's eunuchs. Yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And all the king's eunuchs and all the, the king's, king's men. men. I totally yeah, I know, thought I that thinking. when I was they reading. They put yeah. Mordecai together again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's true. No, Cover couldn't up. put the eunuch together again. Oh. Oh. Cover up your sackcloth. <laughs> don't, you don't you think she was like, Uncle Morty, you're Sackless. embarrassing me. Stop. I can, I can. Do you think it was that way? No, I don't. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Because they they weren't associated together yet. <laughs> again, they were not associated. That, that might have been Sackless. the message the eunuch carried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Morty, you're embarrassing me. Stop. <laughs> Mordecai, I have ran up and down. My feet are killing me right now. Do you know how many times I've climbed those steps at the palace? No, but she sends him to go talk to Mordecai and to bring him clothes to cover him up, and he refuses it. And so, you know, you think about that eunuch standing there like, come on, man. Like, this is, they're all yeah. watching him. Yeah, and, and, and from the outside, it doesn't look like Mordecai's making things better. No. It doesn't. No, he's... How many times have I said they're a real pain in the ass? I mean, it's yeah. true. I mean, they they because because what they have to do, because of their faith and the way that they have to live, they have to do this. Even if society says no, that's not how you act. They do. They have they just have to. So he sends her he sends them back with all this message, including the decree. Like, okay, so read the decree. And Esther is still somewhat hidden. Like she's like, no, 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 just send it back and say, you know, maybe we can figure this out. Like, let's try to be diplomatic or let's try to figure something out. He says, no, you're going to have to go. Don't think that you're going to make it. Maybe you've been put in that place for such a time as this. Don't don't think you're going to make it. I think she was afraid. 
Of course she was well, afraid. Yeah, absolutely. Look, look, just look, like, hey, wait the a minute here. Let's rock you the know? boat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the last queen just didn't show herself. And like, well, look what happened to her. Yeah. Never hear from her again. No. Yeah. And so. Yeah, she's in a position of power relative to other humans that aren't involved in the, you know, that close to the king. But that doesn't mean she's got a lot of leverage. Just just having more power than none. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is what most people had. She has way more than that. But still, not that much. No, I mean, well, and there are other people that had the king's ear, too. Sure. Yeah, not I mean, the she only hadn't one. been called yeah. in 30 days. Exactly. She's probably sweating it at that point. That's right. And, the and you know, let's just be honest. Women weren't commanding men whatsoever back then. So the no. fact that she was commanding. Well, I think behind the scenes, there's a lot of women well, doing yeah, a lot I of think things. That's always, no I think what, that's always uh, been what, true. No matter what's written. Yeah. I think that's always been true. <laughs> We try to I read mean, between the lines. I mean, back to the Garden right. of Eden. Eat this, Adam. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Yes, ma'am. Do it right now. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And then she blames somebody else. And it hadn't stopped since and then. It hadn't stopped since then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if she she tells that you know you know eunuch to go to Mordecai, and because of what Mordecai says, like, look, you weren't put in that position. You may have been put in that position. You're not going to escape. You're just not. So for for such a time as this, this is the moment where you're going to have to change. And she knows if she goes to the king and the king doesn't lift the scepter and welcome her in, that she could actually be executed because she wasn't allowed to approach the king. That That's the weird part about this law. And I, I didn't really know much about that, but it's true. If she went to the king and he refused her, he could kick her out completely or could he even have her executed. He literally, to you had to touch her. Or touch the person on the head with the scepter. That was that's how they were saved. And if you did, you're saved. If there was no touching, toast. You're gone. Yep. So she's aware. Okay, he hasn't even called on me for thirty days. So, uh, and and I don't know. That means he's been with somebody else. Yeah, he's been probing the concubine (laughs) house. So, probe, great word. Sorry, that was a mistake on my part. <laughs> but if you nice alliteration. <laughs> so whenever she she's she tells him, okay. If you'll notice, look at the what the language says with this back and forth. So hey, tax running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then all of a sudden, Esther kind of changes here. After he says, "Don't you know? Do not think." to yourself that in the king's palace, you'll escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. That's faith. He believes that God will rise, arise someone else. If she doesn't do it, someone else will. But he's remained hidden. Now he's repented. They're out. She's, it's like she's the last one. Well, and that was kind of her carry moment. Like Carrie said to you, you can't make this, and you had to think on it and get right. He was telling her the same thing. Hey, look. This is the moment. Yeah. 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 That's the time. That reference that he's talking about was from uh, Zach McElrath's, uh, talking about Zach McElrath's testimony about his wife whenever I had that. If you haven't heard that, go listen to that episode. Um, so suddenly, Esther goes, and sends this message to Mordecai. She's commanding Mordecai now. If you notice, there's a, there's a switch. Now she's like, okay, 
if I'm going to do this, then this is what I expect from you. You've got to do this for me. And she says, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Remember, this started with the giant feast. And they are in the position, and this is where they fast. So fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. So they're not, they're not eating or drinking at all, which is a tough fast. I don't know if you ever tried to do that. It's pretty tough. I've done it without food, but not without food and water. I mean, that's that's pretty tough. Well, you're only supposed to live three days without water, so that's a pretty tough fast. That's it. Yep. And know. they live in the desert, don't they? <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, so there it is. So you know, if she goes and isn't accepted, she'll perish. If I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So when I saw that three days and three nights, what does it make you think of? Jesus. Yes. Death and resurrection. It does, right? Jonah. Yeah. The three days and three nights comes up, right? And you're like, oh yeah, Jonah and Jesus and all that. Well, here's something really cool. So I read, just give me a second to check my notes. This is from the Jewish Virtual Library. This comes out of, uh, I think it's um, the The University of of Tel Aviv. Huh? The Fast of Esther? Yeah, the Fast of Esther. So the, from the University of Tel Aviv, I think there's or the Jewish Virtual Library, it says this. It is generally accepted in the rabbinic tradition that the original three-day Fast of Esther mentioned in chapter 4 of the Book of Esther occurred on the 14th, 15th, and 16th days of Nisan, these being the eve and first two days of Passover. While Halakha, which is the Jewish law and jurisprudence, based on the Talmud, normally forbids fasting on Passover, it is believed that Esther reasoned it would be better to fast on one Passover, one day of Passover, lest they all be destroyed and thus never be able to observe the holiday in the future. But due to the normal prohibition of fasting on Passover, the actual fast of Esther instead became attached to the eve of Purim, the 13th of Adar. So when, when she asked them to fast... The 14th day of Nisan is Passover. So when we go to the New Testament, that's when Christ has Passover and he's crucified on that day. And then he's placed into the tomb. And then it's for three days and three nights. So these are the same days that all of the people are fasting in history. I don't really understand the connection other than Esther is willing to perish on behalf of her people. I don't know if there's any other connection. Did you find any other connections in your study, Sarita? No. Yeah. Did you know this in your previous studies? No. Yeah, that was crazy. So I was like, hmm. You know, I didn't. I don't really know. It doesn't say it in the Bible that it was on those days, right? Right. But it is. It's considered a rabbinic tradition that it actually happened on those days, and they don't. The you know the rabbinic tradition does. They don't believe in Christ as far as the Jews are concerned. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So. The, the story is starting to shift now. It's Like we said, God's name is not in this book other than through the acrostics, and things are starting to happen now. Well, she's going from a timid, vulnerable, innocent teenage girl to a boss lady. I mean, she's... She's boss lady right now. I mean, she's mm-hmm. she's ordering. She goes from being things happening to her, and she's about to switch into making things happen. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, that is a great philosophy for anybody. You can let things happen to you or you can make things happen. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's a great lesson. At some point, you have to shift from being a victim. But if I'm gonna if I'm, if I'm gonna be a victim, I'm gonna go out swinging. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's kind of what she says. If I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. I'm going in. Y'all cover me. And that's I think that's a bit, y'all <laughs> yeah. cover me. I mean, that's, that's good. cover me with fasting and prayer. I mean, really, if we take literally, now she didn't have this part of the Bible, but if we take literally that we fight against not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and. And, and things in the air and, and spiritual, our fight is spiritual, then prayer cover is our greatest asset, our greatest weapon. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question? Yes. So, do you think, I mean, I guess in a way, Mordecai has raised Esther. Yes. She's trusted him for everything. Mm-hmm. And she's trusted him through hiding the fact of who they are, I mean, she's trusted him with sending her in there into the palace, knowing she was never going to come back, whether it be that she made it to be with the king or whether she was going to end up being the concubine, right? Mm -hmm, Right. So she's trusted him with everything, and along through that, she's trusted the faith that he has obviously instilled in her, set an example to. And so for him to stand out there in the court and expose who he is, what he stands for— I don't really see her being necessarily afraid, if that makes sense. I see more along the lines of somebody who's looking at somebody that says, I've trusted you with my whole life. I've entrusted everything that I've ever had. You've taught me everything you've ever taught me. You've got me this far. And he looks at her and says, either you'll do it or God will provide another way. That's standing up and still saying, no matter how this turns out, God's going to provide for his people. We're his people. And so when she says, okay, it's just her standing up going, okay, he's right. He's he's never steered me wrong before. I'm standing where I'm standing because of where he has put me through the, his guidance in his own faith. And so now I'm going to go and I'm going to stand in here. If I perish, I perish. But it's still almost saying, no matter what, I know God's going to take care of me. So when I look back and, and I say, all right, I'm going to fast and pray. You fast and pray. That's just an example of trusting in that faith and just strengthening it. It's not necessarily a fear. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see it that way too. I mean, it's, yeah, I can. Because, well, I think she was afraid beforehand, but I think you're right. When she came to him and he said, hey, this needs to happen. And, and, and then she did it and then said, hey, will you go do this? And that's, that's, I think, a natural thing, but too. But Mordecai's message is mixed, and that's why I feel like there's a problem. Because Mordecai says, God can raise somebody else up. But he also says, you're not going to escape this. You're not, gonna be, you're not going to escape being exposed for who you are, because you're one of us. Right. I don't think necessarily escape death. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. It's that we are who we are. Mm-hmm. We've only been concealed for a time that we were supposed to have been concealed. Now we are here for a time as this to mm-hmm. be unexposed. Yeah, to, you're going to be, be exposed. exposed. You're, you're going to be exposed whether whatever happens from that point happens, but it's never going to change the fact of who you are and everybody's going to know who you are. Right. No, that's good. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. 
Well, anybody got any other insights or any questions about this particular chapter? Did it say anywhere she was going to fast? She was going to fast? Yeah. Yep. No eating or drinking for three days and three nights. So, so did you say at one point that there was a translation of the three days, three nights thing that possibly was sort of a colloquial thing where it's like not a couple of days would be incorrect, I feel like, but you said there's like a translation yes. of that term that, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, whenever we were studying the, the uh, sign of Jonah, we found that there are like saying three days and three nights would be like saying, I've told you 40, 11 times yeah. or to the nth degree. Like the, the, it's like a saying that mm. they have. There's a word for that, but uh, the, the Jews would say, you know, I was out there for three days and three nights, you know, like it was, that, that was a long time mm-hmm. or something. But in most cases, rabbis, they believe it's uh, an actual three days, an and, actual three three nights. days yeah. and three nights. Yeah. So, but yes, they're, there, I've read it, but I don't know how accurate it is. Sure, you know. But anyway, anybody else got anything? I think I think Sarita thinks so. When uh, when Sarita was here first, and she was just sitting up on the porch, and this guy was in here earlier today, who who consumes beer every time he comes, and so there's an empty six pack on the front porch, and I think Sarita thought I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Long yeah. day, I was Andy. just wondering why I didn't get one. Yeah, <laughs> bang! Well, you didn't hammer it up for here. I guess it should be asking. Offered. Well, actually, it's an empty five pack. There is one in the fridge. Oh, <laughs> see, didn't ask. Did you ever just see like the commercial about the uh, you have not, the holiday you five not. pack? You ever seen that where the guy wraps a six pack up and then he tears it open and pulls one out and gives it to <laughs> no, the guy? No, I missed that one. The no, holiday five that pack. That sounds like some nineties stuff. There, yeah, it does. It sounds like some nineties stuff. Yeah, bread dog. Yeah, bread dog. Show me your secret. <laughs> anyway, Billy, thanks for being here again. Thank you, Rick. Ralph, Andy, Sarita, Cherry. So glad, Sarita, that you're here full time now. Yep. Thank and, you. And uh, guys, we will talk to you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Like, I didn't know we were going to be singing tonight. He's always preaching to the choir. We didn't talk about Bud's funny doing check, the opera check, last Check, check, no, super quiet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just remember the ball of suck. Ball yeah, big balls suck. It's like, huh? huh. Okay. Alrighty. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Atheism, the nonprofit <laughs> association. Uh, wow. P R O P H E T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was actually quality, right? <laughs> I, 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 I finally came up with a, a zinger. Yeah. <laughs> a zinger.